In September of 2021, Sony and Z were best buds, joining forces to create the largest media entertainment giant. Uh, while I have, as part of my agreement, a five-year term, but nothing is guaranteed in life. So therefore, if I do not perform, I, I can be ousted from this chair even a year down the line. That was Puneet Goenka three years ago when the news came out of the Sony Z merger. But going by the current flood of news flow, talking of an impending divorce, you might be raising an eyebrow because synergy is the last thing anyone is talking about. Indeed, this is now a story of broken promises, bruised egos, stubbornness, denials. Sony on one hand is singed, Z is now hanging by the skin of its teeth. Sony is seriously looking at terminating the merger after waiting for over two years, almost three years, by this month end, unless their key demands are met. And some of those seem impossible to achieve as things stands today. Lawyers from both sides are doing their best, trying to stitch a deal together. But unless Z and especially its boss, Puneet Goenka, steps down, I think there is no truce in sight. That's Arujit Barman, my colleague and fellow TMB host, who has been keeping an inside track of the unraveling of Z Entertainment since 2018, when Z was still amongst the most profitable entertainment company in the country, and very different from the shadow that it finds itself today. And yes, I did say 2018, because that's when it all started. But Arujit, Sony was nowhere in the picture then. Yes, you're right. Z's promoters in 2018 had to unburden themselves from their personal indebtedness that had ballooned beyond control. They had pumped a lot of their money in various businesses, including infrastructure, and raised debt by pledging their own shares across group companies. Those businesses tanked, and Z's promoters were under a lot of pressure to repay those loans or stare at bankruptcy or lawsuits. The Z Entertainment stock, which was the group's flagship, it still is, was down 25% in just one year in 2018 when they decided enough is enough and mandated Goldman Sachs to find a strategic suitor. Although officially, they were selling only half of their stake, everyone on the street knew the entire company was up for grabs. So, Arijit, safe to say that Z has been on the market for over half a decade now? Yes, you're right, Anu. Uh, and people like Apple, people like uh, companies like Reliance Industries made a play. And so did a very interesting consortium that had Ethereus, which is a $4 billion investment company led by former Comcast CFO Michael Engelakis. He had teamed up with private equity fund Blackstone, the largest alternative asset manager in the world, and James Murdoch, that's Rupert Murdoch's son, his family office called Lupa Systems to form this mega consortium and bid for Z Entertainment. They did bid. There were rumors that Tencent and Alibaba would also uh, join, uh, join the fray, but the Chinese did not eventually show up to the party. Now, Z was okay to engage with anyone, provided their valuation ask was met. But only one contender 
was an absolute no-go. That was Reliance, perceived more as an old, hostile contender and rival. The Sony deal was announced after much twists and turns in late 2021 and was seen to be a meeting of minds and a win-win for both. So what went wrong in the last 48 months that has left even the most patient Japanese company at its wit's end and one of India's largest media group tethering and deteriorating financials and finding itself at the crosshairs of the stock market regulator SEBI? It's Friday. I'm your host, Anupriya Nair from The Economic Times. Joining me will be the TMB tribe, Arajit Parman and Kiran Somvanshi. And you're listening to Z Sony, the countdown to climax on The Morning Brief. In this episode, we will try to connect the dots and get an inside track to the samurai battle of words, wits and willingness between Sony and Z, which is played out in Sony TV's and entertainment business headquarters in faraway LA and Z's ground zero right here in the financial capital of Mumbai. We explore the possible options. Will the deal trip up in its last leg or will Z relent to Sony's requests? And what are those requests in the first place? What happens if there is no breakthrough? Will minority shareholders go nuclear? We get you an expert legal view with Vikram Raghani, co-chair of the corporate law practice at JSA, who will break down for us what legal options minority or institutional shareholders have to protect their investments in the company that they have backed for long and through much turmoil. Remember, the promoters of Z, led by CEO and MD Puneet Koenka, son of Subhash Chandra, owns just shy of 4% of the company today. Compare this to 2018 when Goldman Sachs was brought in, where Z promoters were holding 41.6% in the company. Today, institutional shareholding in the company is 96%. And back then, in 2018, when Z promoters did hold 41.6%, much of it, in fact 60% of it, was pledged. Which brings us to the basic question. If there is a deal breaker in this $10 billion deal, what would it be? Simple answer, the appointment of Puneet Goenka as the MD and CEO of the merged company, period. Goenka wants Sony to honor the original terms of the merger scheme, wherein he was to serve as the MD and CEO of the merged company, let's call it Sony Z, for a period of five years from the effective date of merger subject to terms and conditions. I think that subject to terms and conditions is is what is going to be the devil's advocate in this entire conversation. So, Arjit, what is Sony's problem in honoring that, that original contract that they had signed on with Sony Z? Well, that's because there is a regulatory overhang on Puneet Goenka, and that is none other than SEBI. The stock market regulator had last June passed an interim order banning Goenka and his father Shubhash Chandra from holding key posts in any listed companies for allegedly faking recovery of loans owed by its founder, Shubhash Chandra's private entities. Now, both Chandra and his son Puneet Goenka allegedly had siphoned off funds for their own benefit. 
SEBI had said at that point in time from group companies. The fact that it was super serious, one could guess simply by glancing through the 197-page reply it gave to SAT, the tribunal where you appeal if you're not happy with SEBI's order. Now, the very next month, SAT declined an interim stay and told SEBI to pass a final order within a fortnight. Meanwhile, in August of last year, NCLT approval for the merger came through. The stock exchange approval, the antitrust approvals had already come in. But on August 14, 2023, SEBI again barred the father-son duo. So Sony had been insisting that Goenka first exonerates himself from all pending cases and then take over the company. But Goenka has remained adamant. Either he is the boss or nobody is. Certainly not Sony's alternative suggestion of an interim CEO, which is N.P. Singh, the current MD and CEO of Sony's operations in India. But Goenka could flex his muscles after he was reinstated as the MD and CEO on October 30th, after SAT actually overturned the SEBI ban. Sony, according to the sources I've been speaking to, wanted Goenka to voluntarily step down, but stay on as an advisor or as a director, even getting an advisory fee for a certain period. That too was not good enough for him, or he has been harping on this single point, which is follow what was agreed upon in full, meaning I remain the boss of the merge entity or there is no deal. But in all of this, it's the company that is hurting. I mean, the media landscape is changing and so has Z's balance sheet dramatically. Yes, as you said, it was the most profitable media company. Now, since the merger was announced in late 2021, Z's EBITDA, or the operating profit, has come down to around 1,100 crores in March of 2023 from 1,600-odd crores in March of 2021. But more importantly, net profit, it's plummeted to just 48 crores from 793 crore rupees in that same period, in that same two and a half years. So, from March 22's profits of 956 crore, it's come down to 48 crores within one year. Now, this automatically triggers what is called a material adverse effect clause. That is there in the original master sales agreement. It's there usually in many such merger agreements, which had the covenant that if the financials had to be within a particular band, else the deal is off. Now, this gap is impossible to bridge. When the merger was first announced, Z's valuation was around 23,700 odd crore rupees. Two years, three years later, its current market cap in 2024 is just 24,622 crore rupees. So you tell me, with such weak financials, why would Sony or anybody for that matter not want to change the deal maths? You know, Arjit, you mentioned several prerequisites that Z had to honor, um, which, you know, would have made this deal go through, which is called the 
conditioned precedents or CPs, as they've been called, um, they have not been fulfilled. As, what are your sources telling you? Yes. And um, the, the, there were 20 odd such CPs. As you said, it's very common in, in, in any uh, MA documents or wills. Uh, and as they say, that you have conditioned precedent means you have to fulfill them and only then a deal is consummated. Now, as I said, around 20 such CPs and Z has not fulfilled a single one. Not even one out of 20 at this point. Yeah, that's what my sources uh, who are close to Sony are saying. Z, of course, let me clarify, claim that most operational CPs have been met with. Some are joint CPs, so the onus is as much on Sony as they are on Z to honor them. And finally, there are a clutch of CPs that can only close once the deal gets consummated. That is, upon closure. The deal has been announced, it's not yet closed. So only when it closes, those CPs get honored. So bottom line, Z feels Sony is nothing but hyperventilating. But... Just to get a better sense uh, of these conditions, what are some of these CPs, Arijit? Are they, are they common CPs or are they very specific to the deal that is at hand? No, they are specific to the deal that is uh, that is uh, on hand. Um, there is even what is called a standstill agreement, uh, which Sony claim uh, has been breached. You see, once a merger or an acquisition is announced and if there is a time gap between announcement and closure, both parties usually agree on such a standstill agreement, meaning that they keep each other in the loop regarding strategic decisions or they hold off from taking any strategic decisions which can alter the complexion of any of the companies or any of the parties involved. Now, a number of actions by Z subsequent to signing of the merger agreement have now emerged as major irritants in the eyes of its suitor, which is Sony. Now, as per the original terms of merger, beyond a certain value, Z's management, for example, had to seek Sony's permission to buy any content or assets. And it was vice versa too. Now, in August of 2022, Puneet Goenka goes ahead and agrees to sub-license the linear television rights from Disney Star for the ICC men's event for the next cycle. Z Entertainment's agreement was approximately for $1.5 billion. Now that's a sizable sum. It was also the first of its kind alliance between two rival broadcasters, Disney Star and Z, for sharing of media rights of them for the matches. Now, Sony's headquarters were initially, they were not kept in the loop. One can argue, to be fair, that uh, the CCI approvals for the Sony Z merger had not come in by then. So according to some lawyers, Z could not have informed Sony, else it would seem that both were acting in concert. However, Sony construed this as a violation of the standstill agreement if not an explicit CP breach. Now, eventually, I'm told, Sony relented, but on one condition. Any loss accrued due to this ICC rights 
had to be absorbed by Z upfront and not added on to the liability of the new merged entity such that it does not impact their shareholder value. But that Z and Disney deal is still not consummated. Z has still not given the required bank guarantees to Disney Star. The matter, as per our colleagues in ET as well as industry sources, is most likely going to go legal. Nobody would want another lawsuit. And sources close to Z told me in FY23's annual report, Z had actually said that the acquisition of ICC TV rights is subject to certain CPs that were still pending. So there is an acknowledgement. And that uh, is the big one. That one is a big one. Clearly, it is probably the big one, along with the deteriorating financial health of the company. But there are many others. As I said, 22 odd points uh, which had to be or conditions that had to be cured or fulfilled. Now, some of the others uh, include sale of certain non-core real estate assets in which Z's operations are housed in Mumbai, in Rajasthan, uh, due to over regulatory overhang. Now, those divestments are still outstanding. Then, Z had subsidiaries in Russia. Now, Sony, despite its Japanese parentage, is an American entity, especially the TV and entertainment business. As you said, their headquarters are in LA. So, being an American entity, they cannot do business with entities with links to Moscow. So, they had requested Z to divest or close or spin off these arms, especially after the Russia-Ukraine war. That hasn't happened till date. However, sources from Z refute that and say that they insist, in fact, that operations, most global operations, whether it's in Russia, Germany, or even Thailand, some even profitable, have been closed. Even a channel that Z opened in Africa has become a serious bone of contention. Then there's another issue, which involves a company called Margo. Now, Z had invested around 520-odd crores in this content company in April of 2020. This is a year before the merger with Sony was actually announced. Margo, in turn, entered into a contract with Indian Railways for content streaming. But that contract was cancelled. So Margo moved court. Now, Sony wanted this investment to be hived off and not included in the merged core as part of the CP because the issue was still pending. In its FI22 annual report, Z acknowledges that the management had classified the investment as a non-current asset held for sale or disposal and accordingly, the company had recorded an impairment of 331 odd crore rupees, which was disclosed as an exceptional item. However, sources close to Sony say, still, they, they may have booked the impairment, but it still is an outstanding issue. The matter is still not closed. So it's a long, long list. Uh, but these are some of the key CPs, as you mentioned. So it goes much deeper and much beyond just the management change, uh, which is obviously grabbing headlines uh, at this point, Arjit. But Z, of course, through all of this, denies that there's any trouble in paradise and insists that all talks are still on to find a resolution. In fact, one would say that they're putting up the front that all is kosher. Yes. 
I mean, it did it did issue a formal stock exchange denial after uh, the news broke about that there is trouble in paradise and about the impending termination notice by JNN. Remember, Z stock had cracked ten percent the day the market opened, right after the news story earlier this week, within the first few hours of trading. But what is interesting, I mean, the denial aside, is. Z responded even on Sony's behalf. Now you tell me, isn't that odd? Sony is a listed company, right? Now it also has regulators, whether in Japan, whether in US, but it's it has thus far kept mum after all these stories. Now this is an important development. If Z is issuing denial, why isn't and and Z is issuing denial about what Sony is supposed to be doing? Or may or may not be doing, <laughs> or may or may not be doing. Yeah, yeah, but the 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 key the key actor is silent thus far. You know, it's very odd, Arjit, but it's obviously giving me a deja vu moment. In fact, all the way from 2021, when the first uh, uh, round of battle with minority shareholders came in, and we'll talk about that in a bit, or uh, where there was talk about removing Puneet Goenka. But even as as early as last December, which is 2022, not 2020, there there was similar confusion, right? Yeah, last December, that's December 2023, just a month back, there was yeah. similar confusion. Yeah, you're absolutely right. December 20th, just before the Christmas break, Z informed the stock exchanges that they, along with Sony, are entering into a good faith negotiation, which is a contractual provision under the merger cooperation agreement, which is like the master uh, master agreement signed between both the parties in December 2021. Now, why? Because they were discussing or they were looking at extending the date required to make the merger scheme effective by a reasonable period. Just three days prior to that, Sony had issued a statement claiming that it had not agreed on a deadline extension. In fact, and I quote you know, what they had said, this is their official statement. Sony saying that we look forward to hearing Z's proposals and how they plan to complete the remaining critical closing conditions. Clearly, Aziz was seemingly acting unilaterally, even though Z claimed Sony had okayed the extension. I mean, it's very, very odd. In all this confusion, where does the minority investor stand? As I mentioned before, 96% of the company is widely held by institutions and public. Mutual funds alone own 31% of the company. Domestic insurance companies, including LIC, owns 13%. So do the math. 31 plus 13, that's 44% of the company being held by homegrown institutions and shareholders. My fellow TMB host Kiran Somvanshi sits down with Vikram Raghani, co-chair of the corporate law practice at JSA, to understand the legal scope these minority and institutional holders have. What will it take or what can it take for them to protect their investment and a multi-billion dollar deal that's hanging by a thread? Thank you, Vikram. Thank you for joining in on The Morning Brief. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. So talking about the current deal, which is, you know, kind of close to happening, not happening, you know, where does this Sony Z merger deal stand, you know, legally right now? So, you know, based on whatever we have seen in the public domain, based on various 
intimations that the company has given to the stock exchanges, it appears that all the key regulatory approvals are already in place. So I think the most significant one being the NCLT approval for the scheme because the transaction is being structured in the in in, in the way of a scheme, right? Uh, so the NCLT approval has come through. There was uh, an appeal filed against that approval by some of the lenders, but you know, no stay over the transaction seems to have been granted by the NCLAT. So it seems that all key approvals are in place. I think what is what seems to be now pending is you know fulfillment of some kind of conditions that the two parties have agreed to before the transaction can be concluded and the compliance with those conditions uh, seems to be pending so you know just to just to give everybody some context in every transaction of this nature uh, there will be several conditions that parties would agree to before the transaction can conclude. Now, those conditions can be either in the form of uh, regulatory approvals. And then there may be some commercial conditions, such as, you know, for instance, in this case, it seems to be that there was an agreement that Mr. Goenka will head the combined entity as MD, but the terms have to be agreed. Or there may be several other conditions that they may have contractually agreed to, and and it, it appears that those conditions are either not fulfilled or yet to be fulfilled. Most significant regulatory approvals are in place, but but certain other conditions are, are pending. So how does it work? Like, what is the fate of the deal if these conditions are not fulfilled? Look, I mean, if there are conditions agreed between the parties to be fulfilled before the transaction must conclude, then either parties have to waive those conditions or then those conditions must fulfill. And, you know, typically... In every deal, there is a concept of a long-stop date, where if the transaction doesn't conclude beyond a certain point of time, it seems that there is there is some kind of a January 20 deadline. Now, whether that's emanating out of a long-stop date concept or some other construct that they may have agreed to, if those conditions are not fulfilled or the parties don't agree to waive them or modify them in any manner that's satisfactory to them, then the deal may get cancelled. And, you know, from the corporate governance point of view, there is this whole concept of, you know, here are the promoters with, you know, less than 4% shareholding. And uh, promoters, when I say promoters of Z, the Goenkas. So, Puneet Goenka is seeking to be the CEO of the combined entity. But here, it's a minority shareholder that they are. So, legally, how are they placed? Like, can minority shareholders kind of be de-promoterized, so to say, uh, how do you see that legally? Yeah. So, frankly, as far as de-promoterization is concerned, right, the law is is very clear. Anybody who is less than 10% can be de-promoterized. But in order to de-promoterize themselves as promoters, they have to fulfill a set of conditions. Namely, that they should not be on the board, they should not have any special rights in the company, and so on and so forth. So, de-promoterization subject to this 10% threshold and some of these conditions is possible. But one cannot generally force anybody to depromoterize themselves. So whilst the 10% threshold is available to declassify somebody or for someone to say that I am now below 10% and therefore depromoterize me, it is not for an outsider or a third party to force somebody to be depromoterized just because they are below 10 You know, So technically... They are, the SL group is a promoter today 
of Z uh, at this less than 10% shareholding, right? So there is no, uh, strictly speaking, there is no minimum threshold for somebody to be a promoter. Now, in this case, it appears that between Sony and the SL group, they have agreed that they will be jointly promoters of the combined entity after the merger. So, and you know, the, 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 the provisions have been drafted in a fairly nuanced manner to say that they will be independent promoters, but nevertheless, they will be promoters. And therefore, as such, they, you know, if the SL group is going to be a promoter of the combined entity, just because they're down to 4% or 5%, they can't be forced to de-promoterize themselves. But even the other large institutional shareholders who constitute like the, the rest, 90, 90-odd percent, 96-odd percent, including the board of directors, the independent directors, can't they you know, come together to kind of see to it that the minority shareholder cannot hamper the interest of the entire company? See, I think you should, one must take a step back. The categorization of some party as a promoter by itself does not give them any inherent powers. Uh, you know, the powers or the rights of a particular category of shareholder or a controlling shareholder either come by virtue of their shareholding in the company or by virtue of certain special rights conferred upon them in the articles of the company. Now, if you see the, you know, and, and that's generally the case. So just because somebody is a promoter does not necessarily give them any special rights. So really the focus should not be on de-promoterizing them. The focus really would be on whether he continues to be on the board. So really the focus is not on the promoter tag. The focus should be on whether uh, who's on the board, uh, what kind of rights do they have under the articles and so on. And do you think his involvement, Mr. Puneet Goyka's involvement in another group company's case, you know, where the governance was an issue, do you think that kind of these new developments have become an issue for uh, Sony or they have taken cognizance of this from a governance point of view? That seems to be the case, at least from what we read. Although, you know, although the, as far as those issues were concerned, whatever interim orders were passed by SEBI, they were set aside by the, by the appellate tribunal. Of course, the tribunal's findings were on a very limited aspect of whether uh, intervention at this point of time by SEBI to say that he should not continue as a managing director, whether of Z or of the combined entity post-monger, was warranted or not in the context of uh, that case. And where they came out is that uh, I think the those directions were a bit excessive. While SEBI's investigation will continue, I think that has not yet concluded. I think the findings are on the limited aspect. But therefore, technically and legally, his ability to continue as MD uh, remains. Any sort of embargo on that by SEBI has been set aside uh, by SAT. Now, if in the backdrop of those discussions, there are some, there's a revised understanding that is emanating in terms of him continuing, that's a purely a matter of agreement uh, between uh, the two of them. Uh, but uh, legally, uh, obviously, he's entitled to continue. And if you see the scheme and all the uh, sort of related documents, clearly it was envisaged that he would be the, the MD of the merged entity after the merger. So, that's the documented sort of arrangement or understanding that the parties began the transaction. And and what is the role of the independent director sitting on these boards uh, is over here right now? Like, to fa obviously, facilitating deal is one, but how, how do they be seen to be doing that job? So, look, the independent directors, you know, 
technically, as per the law, whenever a transaction of this nature is being done by way of a scheme, the independent directors have to give their view on the scheme, which they have already given. And they have come to a conclusion that it's not in the interest of, uh, it's not detrimental uh, to the minority shareholders. So in there, in whatever discussions are sort of ongoing between the boards of the two companies, right? I think the independent directors will be watching out for how best to sort of ensure that the deal actually concludes. There are, if there are certain changes, there are certain amendments that need to be agreed upon. You know, what is the best way to ensure? Because obviously everybody believes in the, in the merits of the transaction, in the merits of the deal. And the fact that it's beneficial to all shareholders, whether it's the significant shareholders or the minority shareholders. And therefore, I think their endeavor would be to ensure that there is a balanced approach from now on to completing whatever is left such that the transaction can be concluded uh, sooner rather. So in case if the deal does not go through, what are the legal recourses both to the both the parties like Sony or, and to, to whatever reasons the deal doesn't happen because of that? What are the legal recourses to both parties? So Kiran, that's a function of what they have agreed to and why would the deal not go through. So like I said, in certain cases, there is a very simpliciter outer limit that parties agree to that if for whatever reason the deal does not go through beyond a certain period of time, then the transaction falls off and the parties may just uh, go their way. There could be a situation where, you know, they've agreed to a certain construct and if one party believes that the other party was was in breach of that arrangement or if certain conditions were not met and there was a default, then of course they could have recourse in terms of either an arbitration or some kind of a claim against the other party. That really is difficult to comment upon without understanding what those details and what those conditions uh, specifically are. But, you know, it could it could be anywhere within, it could be any one of these possibilities. Just one thing I remember is in Dish TV, Yes Bank forced Goenka's uncle, Jawahar Goel, to a step down and bank controlled the company. So, you know, they could do that. In India, do equity holders, even institutional investors, have the legal backing to be able to throw out a management whom they are not happy with in case if such a situation arises? Yes, that power remains with the shareholders. So ultimately, companies are run by the boards. Boards are appointed by the shareholders. So a very basic principle of corporate democracy is that uh, the shareholders uh, have the have the right to cause changes in the board to achieve the sort of desired governance uh, and management structure. So I think I think that power remains. That power, of course, is fraught with uh, you know, litigation risks and uh, other uh, sort of uh, controversies. Uh, but uh, but at the end of the day, it is uh, the board uh, you know holds its office at the at the instance of the shareholders, and therefore. If the shareholders, uh, you know, get together, uh, that they do have the the ability to to effect uh, changes in management. That's the legal view coming in. But I want to rewind for just a bit and go back to the time where Puneet Goenka first talked about the deal that was brewing. And remember, this was after Invesco had already called on Puneet Goenka to step down before Sony stepped on the scene. Even then, Puneet Goenka made it clear that nothing can be taken for granted. Then I had a 4% stake before this deal happened. 
and I will be left with a 4% stake after this deal happens. I think uh, from my perspective, the biggest motivation was the fact that I want to bring this company into the hands of the right promoters and I'm going to be a promoter too, who will see that this company prospers and grows to the highest that it deserves to and delivers the value that it deserves to deliver to all the stakeholders and the shareholders. That was my motivation for doing this deal. That may seem prescient, but it is true. In July 2019, Oppenheimer Invesco Funds, one of the largest asset management firms and a big India backer, picked up 11% stake in Z Entertainment, trumping the Comcast Lupa offer coming in at 400 rupees a share and a slight premium to what Z was trading at back then. Keep in mind, it was already an existing shareholder in the company and post this sell-down ended up owning 18% of the company, making them the second largest single shareholder of Z Entertainment after the promoters. The promoter ownership at this point had come down to about 35.79%, but 64% of that as well was pledged to financial institutions and pledged shares were already getting sold. So this was an SOS for the Z founders, for SL Group, who owed 7,000 crore rupees to mutual funds alone, needing to sell a stake by September to avoid an inevitable default and sink. Puneet Goenka himself had brought in Invesco as the white knight as Reliance was looking at ways to buy into Z then. But within two years, the friend also became a foe. In September 2021, fed up with what they called governance lapses and infractions, Invesco sought the removal of Puneet Goenka from the MD post along with a few other directors and called for an EGM. The board dragged its heels and it was all but full-blown rebellion when Invesco suggested an alternative board and even suggested it would try and broker a deal with Reliance. Reliance eventually said it was withdrawing from the race as it did not want to affect a hostile takeover by driving the Z promoters away. It was bad optics. But Invesco later supported the deal with Sony that Goenka yet again orchestrated to stave off the Reliance threat. But the Wall Street Fund started cashing out in tranches, seeking a high moral ground. By summer of last year, it was completely out. And now watching this from the sidelines. So, Arijit, last words to you now. How do you see this playing out? Do you agree with Vikram? Well, yes and no. The truth is, it's very, very fluid and volatile. And a deal is not done or undone till it's done or undone. So, <laughs> one thing is for clear. Sony does not want to do a hostile. They're very, very sure of the bad optics that would uh, emerge if that happens. The narrative would completely change. Um, but I have a feeling that the investors' patience are running out. You saw Invesco was a friendly shareholder, yet it went rogue. It wanted to oust Puneet. Now here you have a company which is literally being held hostage by a 4% owner. Now, that is bizarre. I mean, 4% and you hold a $10 billion transaction to ransom. So I have a feeling that either the investors or probably they're already doing it and I do have a 
gut feel, a reporter's gut feel that something is moving, that they would nudge Puneet Goenka to accept this offer and step down. That's one. If it doesn't happen, then I will not be surprised if they do what is unprecedented, which is press the nuclear button. Mind you, they have an ally in SEBI. SEBI has no love lost uh, vis-a-vis the Goenka family. So, with SEBI's blessings, perhaps the investors might gang up, seek a revote, and first boot Puneet Goenka out of the company from the MD and CEO's post. And to salvage their investment, invite Sony to launch an open offer. Anybody can launch an open offer. You All you need to be is, a, is, is just buy some shares, uh, which it can easily do from the open market. As you can see, 97% of the company is widely held. So Sony, even if it owns 2% of, the, of Z, can actually launch an open offer. People will, investors will tender their shares. The merger agreement will not stand. It will be then an acquisition. Therefore, in in such circumstances, the merger clauses, the non-compete fee, or the fact that the under the merger clause, the Goenka family had the right to ratchet up their shareholding from 4% to, I think, up to a maximum of 15 or 20% over a certain period of time. All those things will be thrown out of the window. It will be a, a it will be an outright acquisition by Sony uh, of Z. Now, that also doesn't happen, and and institutional shareholders decide enough is enough. We'll cut our losses, sell the shares, and opt out. Stock will tank. There'll be enormous pressure on the promoters who are already highly leveraged and have very very low holdings to save. There'll be margin call literally uh, on them. And then you have the lenders at the promoter level. Z doesn't have much debt as a, at an operating company level, but the promoters have debt at their personal balance sheet. So the lenders who've lent to the promoters, they as creditors can appeal to NCLT and take the company to bankruptcy sooner and later. Nobody would want that because then all the equity holders will be thrown under the bus. But that's how capitalism works. And then under bankruptcy, Z can be sold at, I don't know, two cents to a dollar, three cents to a dollar, four cents to a dollar. It's an open house. Well, as they always say, picture abhi baki hai, but by the sounds of it, it's not very long till this climax plays on. So watch this space for more. With that, it's a wrap on this episode of The Morning Brief. You've been listening to me, your host Anupriya Nair, along with Arijit Parman and Kiran Somvanshi. But this is surely not the last you'll hear of the Z-Sony Climax that is counting down to its endgame. A big shout out to the team that helped put this together, the entire TMB tribe, a special call out to Rajas for sound and Surohini on production. Thank you for listening and have a great weekend.